What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. Today's episode is a fantastic conversation with the TCB crew about the future of employer-sponsored healthcare and how we're planning for a return to the hybrid workplace. If you're looking for a frank and earnest discussion on how to build best practices in these areas, you are in the right place. So settle in, kick off your shoes, TCBers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with the crew on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Welcome everybody. Here we are Wednesday, Corporate Bartender Day, episode 88. It is the 26th of May. Oh, so we got some guests coming up. We've got uh, Ira Wolf on adaptability next week, and then Misha Rubin talking about post-pandemic careers on the 19th. Um, Today, um, I've been talking with a few clients over the last couple of weeks, um, and Ruby and I had a call today with one where we're talking about the whole back-to-work thing and the hybrid idea, and, and, and this one client... They've been working on their plan and they had a pretty, pretty thought fully baked plan, thought through plan. And uh, they did a survey and the responses that they got on their survey basically said, we don't want to do the things that we don't even know about that you guys have already cooked up. Um, (laughs) Yes. So they were like, oh, I guess we'll, we'll have to rethink that. Um, So it got me thinking and um i started doing a little research so i wanted to share some some news items with you and then just kind of talk about it as this research is coming in because we've been talking about return to work for a long time and you know these this client super well intentioned but they they do things like we do them right the executive team goes off and says okay what do we want to do and they think okay we want to do this and they ask a few people and they put together a plan and then they talk to the entire organization and the organization goes man i'm not really sure i want to do that mm-hmm. and they go oh well i guess we have a choice right we can go ahead and implement said plan or we can go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. so Couple of news items. The first one is unrelated to that, but I thought it was a, a very interesting one. It's on healthcare, mm. and it's called our health uh, employer-sponsored health plans on their way out. And it, it was pretty interesting. In the article, it talks about how the, this idea, this paradigm that we live in, has existed since uh, World War II when companies added healthcare as a means to attract talent, particularly women, which I thought was interesting. Um, And it's been the norm, you know, my whole professional life for sure. Um, But when we think about the way we view healthcare now, I mean, consumers needs are different. Um, One size fits all coverage doesn't really cut it anymore. And with technology, it doesn't need to really be that way. And it's interesting because in in this article, um, they talk to to some younger folks uh, and the younger folks are like, why does our job give us our health insurance? Why do those go together? They don't give us our homeowner's insurance or our car insurance or why? (laughs) Why do I have to tell my job anything about my medical situation? 
whatsoever. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. And they compared the the paradigm shift to that of pension plans. You know, when that happened in the in the eighties and nineties, and those things went away. And, and you know, it's it's one of those situations that's looked at as you know it's it's burdensome to the individual, but right now it's burdensome to the company. And it, when you look at it empirically, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. What do you guys think? So when I read it, I'm like, okay, I see all those points, but I tell you what, I am not going to go first. Hey, mm. we're not for health insurance anymore. So who's going to do that? What, you're just going to end the health insurance for all of your employees? <laughs> well, it's going to be startups, right? It's going to be, it's going to be that startup yeah. that, no. that becomes Amazon, right? One of those, you know, meteoric startups mm -hmm. that says, yeah. you know what, we're not doing that. And then, and then that'll become a small trend. And then that, you know, over the course of years, that that's how that'll go. Um, but yeah, totally. I totally feel you. Right. I mean, right now that, because there's no, there's no cost equivalent alternative. Right. Right. I mean, the exchanges aren't cheap. Yeah, they suck. Right. And, and they, they're ad hoc state by state and, Right. Even though it is ad hoc employer by employer, there is that too. But um, there's so many uh, regulations. At least, you know, there's a basic threshold yeah, of coverage yeah, yeah. that you're going to get. For sure. And frankly, anything, you know, I, we're being recorded. I am not in favor of a government <laughs> plan. Sure. Having dealt with, Medicare with my husband and with other folks, anything that the government does, they do less efficiently and more expensively than private yeah. sector. So I've I been love, to DMV. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, I love that, you know, if I could have a state farm and a Geico and a USAA and have them all bidding for my business instead of avoiding trying to avoid my business. Yeah. You know, that, that's an, that's a very attractive option. Well, it's, it's interesting, Laurel, because, you know, when you think about it, the reason the insurance market works the way it does is because it's employer driven. Yeah. So right. right now the insurance market is, 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 is numbers based, Sure. right? The more people you have in the plan, the more bargaining power you have with the insurance company. And that's a, just a messed up way to do business, right? I mean, it takes the consumer out of it, the people who actually use it, mm -hmm. They have yep. no say in the plan design or the negotiation or what things cost. And most plans aren't fully transparent with costs of care. Um, so it was, it was interesting in the survey, the study that they did in this article, 41% of the consumers they talked to said they think health insurance should be decoupled from employment mm -hmm. and what that looks like and, and what yeah. the mechanics of that are. I don't know, mm -hmm. but the fact that it's it's shackled to your job, which is not portable. Um, and if you think about, I mean, we're HR people. What's the average tenure today versus 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Less than two right? years. Yeah. Less than two years, said the recruiter. I just heard it. <laughs> yep. and, and you're and, talking about you have a repertoire of doctors that you go and see and now you switch plans and now your doctor is not covered and you're an out-of-pocket expense and mm -hmm. you've already accrued your deductible for the year in january because you had that surgery but you just switched employers in june and now you're starting all over again those were all um, points in the article yep. 
Yep. I just, I had this conversation last night with a couple that came over for dinner and um, it is something that absolutely needs to, to go away. When you have the best negotiator in the benefits department, I mean, Eric, we worked with Stacia and she was fantastic. Fantastic. Some of the best benefits I've ever had. (laughs) And then I go to another company and it's shit benefits because (laughs) they don't have a damn good negotiator. So and then there's also who's having the, if the company is li- holding the liability of the coverage, um, self-insured versus not, oh, right. um, it, it is just a shit show and has got to have some sort of complete overhaul. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much money in this industry in general, that's changing hands in a very sloppy way. I mean, I, I assume right. You're speaking to brokers who uh, advocate aggressively on your behalf to get you good plan coverage. Is that what you were referring to? Is that you, you had a broker rep who, who does heavy negotiation with the providers? Is not that what ne- you're referring to? Not necessarily the broker. It also could be the leader of the internal. benefit department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. choose not to go with a broker. So it could be either way, internal or sure. um, having a broker do a, the bidding for you. Yeah. From the um, self-insured standpoint. That could certainly apply. Yeah, I mean, having owned a couple of companies, um, I have no interest in being intrusive into people's private lives about their um, benefits decisions. Mm-hmm. And also, having been a consultant for years and being rather independent of it, I like the notion of the portability of uh, benefits traveling with you wherever you go. And to Mariah's point also earlier, if you've got an average of two years tenure, then it almost inherently implies for us as an economy to have rapid shifting to opportunity. You've yeah. got to have people who can carry with them a meaningful plan and not be distracted with that. And employers but inherently are not in the benefits business. They're trying yes. to design their products to go after their marketplace and generate revenue that's meaningful for that company's success. And now they have to become expert in something that they're not expert in, but by default, they have to take it on. So I I see a lot of problems with it. Laurel, I don't know where I stand on your notion of, well, the government can't be into this, but, you know, every other country that's uh, civilized in some fashion has a version of, um, healthcare that's broadly uh, provided by governments. I'm not saying that they're models, but you know, if you go to Canada or mm-hmm. of course the UK and others, now the trade-off of course is that right. it's, <laughs> the efficiencies aren't there and the tax base yep. gets super high. So there, there are trade-offs, but we're talking about trade-offs now anyway. Uh, so I don't know what the magic answer is. On this, well, there's not you, one. <laughs> yeah, that's but, why it's still out there. Because you know, that, that is why it's still out there, and because yep. so many people have their fingers in the pot. Uh, yes. I get frustrated with the brokers, uh, and I like these folks. They're nice, and they've they have a living around um, sure. being the 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 liaison between providers and the um, employers. But they're making a shit ton of money off of just representing plans. And that's their value set is that they just serve as a liaison between provider and employer. Well, and there's all the money that's going out there. And, and the <clears throat> plans are so varied and so complex that their services of people like that are required. You know, <clears throat> my simplistic mind goes to why can't 
15 minutes could save you 15% or more in your health insurance. Right. Why can't that be a model, right? I mean, if, if you think about the incentive of the insurance companies right now, it's to grab those large blocks of employees at a time versus the loyalty of individual customers. I don't know about you guys, but who here has changed their car insurance in the last five or 10 years? I haven't. Mm -hmm. I've had the same car insurance since I got car insurance with my house. It's yeah. just, yeah, I just let it ride because I don't care, right? Yeah. It's fine. And my coverage is where I want it. And could I save money? Probably. Is it worth my 15 minutes? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's just not on my list of things to do. So I stay with the company, not because I think they're amazing, but because I'm there already. It's the inertia. Yeah. Right. I shop the shit out of my insurance <laughs> <laughs> and I do. And I check it. Like I have a broker now that will ping me, but he still can't beat what I am with state farm. And he's like, I can't touch it, but I'll still mm -hmm. ping it. That, that Jake from state farm. I tell you, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when, when I, I did it because I was with Liberty mutual and we bought a vehicle and it skyrocketed. And so that's what's created the, okay, maybe I should check into this. And so then therefore it's spawned every year or two, I check into it and see what I can do. But it's uh -huh. definitely not 15 minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's not. And considering all the marketing that's going on out there from the insurance companies, they're making a shit ton of money. A shit ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Liberty Mutual hired an emu. So those things aren't cheap. Yeah. And the commercial that runs every 15 minutes of the guy singing, is it the Pet Shop Boys <laughs> song? Um, where he has the singing lady on the front of the uh, shoot. Uh, what is it? Shoot, the, the black gentleman. Oh my gosh. If this isn't ringing a bell for you guys, then I'm watching too much TV. <laughs> actually, actually, we all know the commercial. We're just enjoying watching, just watching you, you sort of Yeah, just out. randomly. <laughs> Can't you see in my mind what I'm saying? It's right here. <laughs> and well, I'm not even going to try to sing it. Well, these guys have, um, you know, cause they try to call you cold call you if you don't have your number blocked and, all of that between those and the car warranty ones. Mm. And um, I don't I don't know that I've told you guys this story. My husband has figured out how to get them to hang up on him, which telemarketers are never supposed to hang up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they <clears> I'm interested they, because my dad has a plan too, and I want to see how this compares. I was gonna say it sounds like my dad. I think it might be a yeah, maybe a <laughs> A theme. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because when you're old enough and you don't give a shit anymore. Right, you're like. Um, he, he says, and, and everything he says is completely true. He said, I'm tired of hearing from you guys, and you don't want to hear from me, and you don't want my number because I am 92 years old, and I drive a Ford Mustang. No! <laughs> so they do not. <laughs> my, my dad, my dad goes, I'm so glad you called. <laughs> I'm I'm so lonely. <laughs> tell, tell me what what are, what are you wearing right now? Oh no! And this poor guy from India saying, "I have to keep this guy on for two minutes, <laughs> minimum." I'm so to lonely. To hit my quota. <laughs> there is this uh, great service called Robo Killer. 
Yes. Are you guys familiar with that one? Yeah. Where they yeah. have like 15 or yeah. 20 different recordings so that when you get these spam callers, then, you know, someone is answering the phone and they're leading them down this awful path like they're in a busy auto repair shop and they just can't hear them. So they ask them to oh. speak louder and then they say, you probably want to talk with Joe, Joe. Joe. <laughs> right. And they just keep the person yeah. going. And you can then listen to the recording yeah, and hear they these record it. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad subscribes to that. He was, he has no apps on his phone. He has that app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Loves the torture, the, uh, the call, the telemarketers. Well, if, yeah. if somebody picks up and they interact, then don't they move on? Like if, if nobody picks up, don't they just keep dialing? Like they keep repeating. So hmm. if you have something answer, then it takes you off the list or moves you down the list or something. Is that right? <laughs> my, my, my dad's thought is that if it delays that guy for right, X right. number of minutes, that's five people that don't get called that day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's my a public service. Super mad about, and he'll want to argue with these people because he'll, you know, calls on Sunday at 5 PM and he'll, do you, do you realize what day it is? What day is it? Right. Sunday. Right. What time is it? Where am I? What time? Yeah. Is it? Like he'll just hound them. He's like, like, Brian, hang up the phone. He's like, how, he's like, how about, how about I call you back during your dinner? We talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. That's his shtick. Oh, oh, from insurance companies to telemarketers, all the things that get in our way every day. I think it's just gotten in, in my way. I just opened hmm. up the chat box and I'm, I've, I've gotten as far as boobless. <laughs> you missed that? That was so 20 minutes. I, I know, but <laughs> I'm just now catching up on the chats. And you know, David, you can spell that word on your calculator if you turn it upside down. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I, that I know. <laughs> Daniel, you're a 10 year old boy. Oh. Okay. 10, 50, whatever. It's all the same. So, so the, these next couple articles are all on that this uh, hybridized workplace idea. Um, this first one I thought was interesting because um, as we're sort of getting into this pattern, research is starting to come in. And this is some initial research on teams working remotely versus co-located teams. Now, granted, they're looking backward at co-located teams prior to the pandemic, but um, what their initial findings indicate is that dispersed teams, they succeed faster. So that's the upside, right? They get to positive results quicker, um, but they hang on longer than do co-located teams. So they fail more slowly, um, which opens up a whole host of questions for me around you know, failing in inside a corporate culture, because a lot of times we'll go into an organization and I'll ask the question, is it okay to fail here? And people will say, absolutely. Yes, totally. <laughs> right. And, and it, whether it is or it isn't, there's a mythology that it isn't that's pervasive in a lot of, especially technology companies, because that's, that's my history. So that's where I, where I speak from. Yeah. Um, same here. Right. Where there's a fear that, you know, they heard the story about that one guy who blew something up and got railroaded out of town, um, even if that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder, you know, the implications around the fail bit um, for me, I, I wonder what that means and what that looks like long term. But I thought the initial findings were interesting in that 
the dispersed teams, because we talked a lot about how, you know, uh, geographic dispersion can make innovation slower or not, right? But these teams in this study got to successful outcomes quicker than co-located teams. I thought that was interesting. I don't know what do you guys think. That is interesting. Laura, you, you read it. What, what did you think? I did. I think. Um, <clears throat> I think some of the tips that they were giving is true before, during, and after COVID though, mm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Around how you, how you put in systems so that projects get early, you know, feedback and you give them an exit path and, you know, all, all of those things. I, I don't know. The things we don't always do. <laughs> right. Right. And so I, I get their research pointed in these directions, but I think that there's also a lot to, it doesn't really matter as much where they are. It's more the system in which you operate about mm-hmm. how, you know, how are things rewarded? How are, what are expectations are set? How are budgets set? How are projects funded? You know, there there's systemic things that can also drive these things that could be true for sure. in setting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The uh the last article here uh before we get into the big one um was this <laughs> article that came out literally yesterday. It said, Don't let employees pick their work from home days. And oh, yep. uh yeah. And it was funny because the the client that we were talking about earlier they basically had a plan that said we're going to be in the office these days and out of the office these days. And they asked everybody after they had sort of formulated the mechanics of the plan and the employees said, we don't really want to come back to work. I don't think so much. (laughs) And if we do, if we do, we want to pick, we want to pick the days. We want to pick our days. We want to, that that gave me like red flags today. I was like, you can't. Like you still have to be like the parents. You still have to create some kind of structure, I think. So it's interesting, right? You know, yeah. um, some of these people in this article and other articles, right? There, there are some folks out there who say, you know what? I treat my employees like adults and I let them make the call. So it's funny because I was reading that and we're in the process of, of trying to write guidelines because we're yeah. allergic to policies where I work. <laughs> <laughs> Poli- and- hey, guidelines are better. They're way more defensible. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, it's, but it's more guidelines around, we know flexibility and it's just flexible work arrangements. That can be the hours you work, the days you work, the location that you work, the right. All any variety of these things. And um, kind of just trying to put together, you got to think through these series of considerations and mm-hmm. ultimately, right. This, the supervisor and the employee can have, have this conversation and the employee might have a preference and there might be business reasons that override the preference. Right. And so, but it, but it's kind of this negotiated thing and, and your request in isolation is no problem. But when I've got three people and they all have weirdo conflicting things, then the team can't operate effectively. And then we can't deliver, we can't. And so it's kind of all these layers. And, and so part of me is, is just (laughs) sort of cringing at the ambiguity of that with certain leaders that pop into my head. I'm like, well, that's going to be a frigging train wreck, right? (laughs) You're not going to be able to figure this out. They're brilliant but dumb. You know, these folks, 
They're brilliant. I've never, I've never worked with any of those people. But they can't find their way out. <laughs> hey, they keep us better. in business. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, but, but I was thinking about, like, I was thinking about my team, and I would say this if any of them were were here on the call. I lean way more towards you guys. Tell me w- what what you want to do, and we'll figure it out because. Mm-hmm we have a high trust relationship. I have really high performers. I have trust that we'll work that out. And they know that I'll say something if I'm like, that's not working or whatever. And so in, in, I think it's, it's more case by case than it can be organization, right? Because yeah. if you said as an organization, everybody has to be in the office on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you can pick your other days or whatever. Except would- it can't be Monday or Friday. Right, yeah. exactly. I, I think the arguing that would ensue would waste at least 12 months <laughs> versus mm-hmm. in, in our culture and the kind of work we do, making those much smaller groups of decision-making points is going to be much more important. Plus, we have ridiculous amounts of travel that people do. So they're like, it doesn't... Did. Well, it, it's <laughs> supposed to cut back to 75% of what it was. And the budget matches that. So we'll see. But at the, that still means a lot of people are traveling a lot. And so yeah. then there's that piece of it. It's like, well, I'm out of town those days. So then do you want me to switch those days? Do we, is the whole team going to switch those? Because we're both at the thing. And like, that's where things get mm-hmm. gnarly. If you start being like saying this is how the whole organization is going to go. For us, that would be a disaster. Yeah, we're ending up with our... Um, hybrid being more rigid than it was when we were in a Monday through Friday situation. (laughs) It's like, excuse me, this is crazy (laughs) because let's face it. And this is true in not every place I ever work, but in the majority of them by Friday afternoon, you could drop a bomb in your office and not hurt a soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when the weather is really good or yeah. when it's powdered. It smells day. really fresh. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and so this, uh, I guess Thursday's the new meeting day for everybody because mm-hmm. it seems like everybody's going to be around on Thursdays. So I tried and got vetoed, but one of the things that because you got to protect your culture and our culture is barbecues. Mm-hmm. It's like wait, is it? We have three a summer. How does that define your culture? <laughs> well, that right. would define your culture if that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so my thing was, okay, let's say the third Tuesday of every month is an event in the office day. Okay. And, yeah. and then if you want people in the office approximately a couple days a week, and you're saying 40%, instead of telling them 40% per week, just say 40% per month, mm-hmm. we want you in the office, including the third Tuesday or whatever of every month. Mm-hmm. Oh, sneaky else. math there, Laurel, sneaky math. Yeah. <laughs> but there's only one required day. Yeah. And if you're in accounting and you got to do month end, you know yeah, which right. week you're going to be in the office. Sure. If you've got quarterly uh, business reviews and with your customers, you're going to be in the office that week. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are we making this so granular that it's becoming yeah. incredibly rigid at a big macro 
level. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the next round of experiments, right? We had the giant experiment of on Monday, right. everyone stays home. Go. Right. <laughs> right. Because we're locked down. And now it's all the giant experiment of right. how do we all swirl yeah. around to get back to work? Yeah. So so wait a minute. I, I see there's a, something good coming, but I heard something I've never heard on this call. I heard David agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I wanted to hear what he had to say. Actually, I was qualifying it. I was going to qualify my agreement when I said something. I think I just started with, yeah, but. <laughs> now, I was going to agree with you, Laurel, because what I'm seeing, and I think the tone of this conversation is headed there anyway, is that, um, you know, first of all, so much of this depends on how work gets done Anyway. Yes. Yeah, like yes. for instance, one of my client companies is Samsung here in town. It's a fabrication plant of semiconductor chips. People can't say, you know, I'm not going to show up to the fab today. Yeah. I mean, it, right. it's or if you work at a restaurant, um, right. you know, there are some things where you have to touch the work to get it done, and you have to be there to touch the work. And then it's a matter of when if you draw rings around that. Do you need to be there in support of the work that's being directly done and so forth? So how does work get done in and through the organization will determine the extent to which people need to show up to begin with. And then from there, on the other end of the spectrum, this notion of just asking people, so what do you want to do? And I'm a big fan of asking employees, where, what's your thinking? What's your degree of commitment? Where do you stand in your relationship mm -hmm. to the work and to the company and to your leader? I love all that. It's, I've spent my professional career doing it. But if you simply ask, hey, do you want to come to work or not? Yeah, boy, no. It, it seems <laughs> like that's going to be tough to accommodate. Um, so... I like the notion where a lot of companies are heading who have professionals who don't have to touch the work, that they do leave it, as we've been talking about, more at the team level, right? Like, what do we want to do collectively as a team? Like, Lori, you were saying, if one person says, I can't be here today, and then someone says, well, I can't be here tomorrow, then ultimately the team, along with the leader, has to kind of figure out when do we need to get together to do our work? face-to-face yeah. -face in person, as opposed to a company mandate, at least at this stage of things, mm -hmm. that seems like the more reasonable transitional stage of what uh, return to work seems to mean. You know, it, it just occurred to me, because we always talk about <clears throat> does dispersed workforce become a detriment to your culture? But what just occurred to me is that whatever culture you have today is going to shape how you allow this return to work situation to unfold, mm. right? If, if it's a culture of um, standard operating procedures and everything is written as policy and there's hierarchy of decision-making and right the, that kind of system. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people are unhappy in that culture. It, people can thrive in those cultures if they resonate with it. And so you would expect <laughs> that to be similar to how they're going to address this. Right. And at Cable Labs, our culture is highly individualized, very employee centric and incredibly generous. Yeah. And so I anticipate that to be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll involved. apply those cultural right. uh, interests to this this new condition that presents itself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There mm -hmm. as well as that, you know, if you say, you know, part of our, it's like the values we set, right? Yeah. High integrity, high communications, uh, have fun at work, right? Respect individuals. That can extend to a work from home setting or uh, a, uh, at work 
setting. So do we still model those mm -hmm. as a starting point to keep our culture alive? And then from there, it's now the matter of reasonable accommodation, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love everything you guys just said. David teed up this article this perfectly. Uh, if, if you have a chance, you should check this out. This is the cover article in the current HBR. And, and basically the, the crux of it all is in order to do this right, you got to look at it through a bunch of different lenses, mm -hmm. right? And just like you guys just described, there are several. And in the article, they identify four. There's jobs and tasks, right? You can't work at the fab from home, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You, can't you can't serve dinner from your house to customers, right? So jobs and tasks, projects and workflows, right? How does the work get done and who needs to touch it and in what order, right? Preferences of the employees, what do they want to do? And this notion of inclusion and fairness, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, if all the people that can work from home do, is that creating a problem for folks that have to work in the office? Mm -hmm. Not now, but over time, right? And I, I think thinking about that um, in those ways is, is, I don't know that everybody's doing that. <laughs> they're trying, but I don't know that they're always getting it right. And then there's like just this notion of place and time. Because I think the thing that gets the short shrift here is uh, synchronicity or asynchronous work. Um, a lot of work can be done asynchronously, and I think a lot of people have assumed that they will just do it whenever they want to do it, but the reality of the, the ecosystem around that hasn't always been discussed beforehand, right? Because, mm -hmm. of, like Laurie said, we, we turned the switch on and flipped on a dime and went home and then just sort of had been figuring out over the last year plus um, but that notion of, of asynchronousness, right? It goes back to like our our communications conversation a couple of weeks ago. You know, if I'm working, if I'm working the night shift, do I need to catch your Slack message at, you know, 930 in the morning? Mm -hmm. What are the expectations around that? I don't know. The article I thought was, it was pretty good in outlining those things. What did, what did you think, Lori? So I wanted to go back to the jobs and tasks because what I liked about mm. it, it was, it was more nuanced than, I have to be at work because I use things that are at work, right? These mm -hmm. were more like the examples were a strategic planner as the role, mm -hmm. but a critical driver for productivity in that role is focus, right? So where in time, time and space, location and time, what's most important for this role is focus. So where does that fit on that two by two matrix, right? How do you yep. optimize that for that role? A team manager, the critical driver is coordination, right? Yep. They need to be kind of on the spot and coaching and mentoring and in the moment direction. So that's a different kind of need for time. Sure. Or a product innovator, the critical driver is cooperation. Well, face-to-face -face innovation is, you know, unless we start getting really, really good at collaboration tools virtually, face-to-face, -face, you know, is yeah. what drives innovation. And even passing someone in the hallway goes, spontaneously and say, hey, yeah. now that you're there, I just thought it was like, what if we tried That's this or that? Right. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll do this, yeah. you do that. And a creative idea was born. Yeah. Yep. And that's, and that's what I liked about the jobs and tasks because it is, it was more about what's the critical driver of productivity for the role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then that helps you point to, yeah, this person 
really does want and need to be in the office because it drives that critical level level <laughs> productivity. And for others, it's like, that's the worst thing possible for them right. to be there all the time. Right. Well, and then, and then you layer on top of that, the people's situations, right? You've got the yeah. person yeah. that's been there for seven years and knows everybody. And if focus is what's required for them, working in their house is the best place for them to focus versus the person that's been there for nine months who lives in a two bedroom apartment with four other people in New York yeah. city, mm-hmm. being at home is not a place to focus. Right. Yeah. Especially, especially if everybody else is working from home. And, and comp- then the, the, there's that psychological element in there as well, where for some people working from home is isolating and they think dark thoughts because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're not surrounded with other individuals yep. mm-hmm. who um, define a community of relationships for them. And some people are kind of wired to say, when I cross this threshold and come to work, that's where work gets done. When I'm right. at home, yeah. right, that's where I do things that I define myself outside of work. So there are those elements of folks who um, who ca- have carried that with them over the past year, and they're ready to get back to work. Although, interestingly enough, I don't think I mentioned this here, a colleague of mine runs HR for a fairly large company, and they had so many extroverts saying, we need to get back to work. So a couple of months ago, they said, okay, we're going to let you go back to work. Did I mention mm-hmm. this already? Yeah. Uh, so um, they said, all right, you guys who work on this floor because most of your experts come back. So on Monday, 50 people showed up. By Friday, only 10 people were coming to work <laughs> because they said, it's so weird. We still have to wear the mask. I don't want to do that. And the cafe shut down. Yeah, I, uh, that doesn't feel right either because we can't gather. And my favorite conference room is available because it only seats four people. So anyway, yeah. because the situation didn't sort of uh, represent uh, a, a sense of gathering. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's why I like these sort of staged transitional points instead of like the force fit on July 1st, everyone returns to work. Yeah. Well, TCB alum Jenny Levy was doing this last summer and yeah. Yeah. she had that exact same experience, right? Mm-hmm. There were people who were just chomping at the bit to get back to work. And they said, okay, and it was great for a week. And then it was back to nobody coming to work because it was optional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we keep coming back to this topic because I think there are so many layers and I think it's so complicated. Uh Um, And it was the the experience with some clients this week where where they, they felt pretty good about the plan that they had. And then they talked to people and realized that maybe they needed to, to make some tweaks to that plan. And, I just envisioned a lot of people in that same space because we've been working real hard on trying to pin down a freaking date, right? For, for the last eight months, we've been moving it up. Remember, remember when we were moving it out two weeks at a time? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right. Our, our challenge right now, cause we have an optional return to work June 1st to anybody's level of comfort, right? But we have to know are masks required or not? Is the uh-huh. break room going to be opened or not? And we've got Colorado office, we've got California office, and we've got Pennsylvania office. So you're looking at, you know, CDC and state, state and, yeah. and local right, yeah. requirements. And our CEO, Phil, is adamant about we are not asking people their vaccination status. There's, yeah. We are not All doing right. that. That answers that. California said, we'll fine you if you don't record and track people's vaccination status. Mm-hmm. And so wow. Phil's just like, 
well, <laughs> can they do that? Right. So yeah. like, can they do want... that? They're California. They right? can do whatever but they want. I'm surprised. Maybe that's a, first I heard that they're an employee centric state. I'm surprised that they were mandating that, you that they are mandating log that. And you have to track it. And if you get caught not doing it and you have to ask every two weeks, mm. if somebody, mm. right. It's really rigid. Good grief. Yeah, it sounds burdensome. Um, so, I, I mean, it's still undecided and it's starting Tuesday. So we're like, yeah. so. I was going to say, <laughs> may want to kick that date back a skosh. Yeah. <laughs> that was things my are changing so fast, too. I mean, it just seems like we're rapidly emerging yeah. out of this. So who knows where we'll be two weeks from now, from it's two weeks ago. David, that's a great point. It, it, right now, it feels almost to me like it did in March of 2020. The, with the, the rapid, yeah. The rate at which things change and, and the information that we're getting and the things that we're mm -hmm. learning. It's just, mm -hmm. it's it's yeah. fire hose, we you were, know, volume. We were, we were drafting this this new protocol and every other day, we're like, well, California came out with this. Well, Pennsylvania said no restrictions ever for anyone. And yeah. <laughs> And so we couldn't we couldn't land on anything because it kept changing and it's not done. But what a great conversation! Thank you guys all for for chipping in on that one. And you know this is a big a big meaty topic, and I didn't expect to solve anything today. But you know, thinking back to why we started doing this in the first place, and it's 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 sharing those ideas. And I love you know being able to share some client perspective and hearing what you guys are up to and and where those things line up and, and where those, those things digress. And I, I just, I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, so let's do some funny things and go have dinner. Uh, funny thing. Number one today, um, asked a guy if I could pet his dog and he said, my wife is coming back in a minute, sir. I'm only interested in your dog, but it's kind of reassuring that none of us knows how to function in public anymore. <laughs> <laughs> This one made me laugh. Are you woman? Yes. Okay. Why? <laughs> the tweet says, was not prepared for that one. That's funny. <laughs> Do you think Sesame Street could get away with a joke where Cookie Monster says he's young, dumb, and full of crumbs? Yes or no? <laughs> I see Laura laughing at that one. <laughs> Oh, how about this one? Uh, these dudes were 33 and 35 when this picture was taken in 1982. They are both still alive today. I believe the key to longevity is looking old as hell right off the bat. 33 and 35. I was like, wow. what? Wow, yeah. Oh, probably the worst thing you can hear when you're wearing a bikini is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? Getting out of here in the getting out of your car in the nineties be like you taking off the radio mm -hmm. faceplate, getting your club on. <laughs> mm -hmm. The faceplate, I remember that. Yeah. Right. Accurate. I, I I, I used to hang out with a dude who didn't have the faceplate. You had to pull the whole radio. Oh. So we'd yeah. go to the movies or whatever. He'd be carrying like a little lunchbox. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I know. Weird. My, my wife said she was getting a mammogram and I said, whoa, Black Betty. And then I learned something. <laughs> 
get that one. <laughs> Sing it, Ruby. <laughs> blam, blam. Nope, but you have to say mammogram. <laughs> oh. oh my God. Whoa, Black Betty, mammogram. Whoa, Black Betty. <laughs> God, I had to be walked through that one. I didn't. I was like, uh, oh. every every step of the way. But now yeah. I'm there. And I'm there. and it's a song that all you old people should fucking know. <laughs> and now we'll have that song in our heads for the rest yeah, forever. of the night. Yeah, the wrong. You're lyric. welcome. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It will replace the song in my head from that. Um, what was that commercial? The commercial. Oh, yeah. The commercial. I know what it is now. Pet Shop Boys. Um, I've got the brawn. You've got the you've brains. You've got the brains. Let's oh, make yes. lots of money. Insurance. Have you? Yeah. Have you just been seeing that? Mine, yeah. I'm going back to that because mine was um, Geico's Sprinkles. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. Oh, insurance company. There's something companies. to look forward to. <laughs> and, and the last funny thing just made me laugh and kind of creep me out at the same time. This is just shadows from water bottles. Oh, Ew. oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's not yeah. okay. That's not wow. okay. <laughs> that's terrible. Good <laughs> grief. That is creepy. <laughs> I would scare the living shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd look for a gun. Yeah. It's like walk by and oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's awful. Mm. <laughs> There you go. Today's Goodfield story. This is uh, a guy in Northern Virginia who turned his unexpected inherit inheritance into a random acts of kindness campaign where he took his three-month-old grandson um, or his three-year-old grandson now um, on his bike and he went around and he handed out $100 a day to people who needed it with a note that said, please accept this random act of kindness. And if you don't need it, feel free to share it with others. Mm. Awesome. And I mm. thought that was pretty cool. So he went around for a month, giving out hundred bucks at a time. I love that. that was, thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Today's semi-quarantine cocktail is travel is back, baby. And who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> it's a riff on the woo woo. If you guys went to bars in the nineties and two thousands, Woo-woos were probably on your shot repertoire. No, this, is the, no. this is the this is the this is the full-fledged version of the woo-woo. Um, so uh, per Airbnb, bookings are currently at 2019 levels already. Whoa! Gonna need a little vodka, uh, even though we still can't go to many other countries, even Canada. A little bit of schnapps. Sixty percent of folks plan to travel more than they did in 2019 in 2021, according to a study. Four ounces of cranberry juice, but they still don't really want to fly. Two thirds of those people said they're not really wanting to fly. So after you drop in your lime juice, you better go rent that RV because those <laughs> rentals are off the hook right now. <laughs> Need a little bit of ice and in and, and a different study, 50% of the people they talk to are taking a solo location. They're going somewhere by themselves, I guess, because they've been stuck in their homes with other people that they don't want to be around anymore. Interesting. Tack it with a wedge of lime and business travel may never, ever be again what it was. Again, according to the CEO of Airbnb. But hey, we can work anywhere from these days. Woo woo. Woo woo. Nice. <laughs>
<laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. So good to see you all. Wednesdays are my favorite days. You're my favorite people. Love you all. Next week, we have a guest. We're going to talk about something fun. So come hang out. And I will see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Take care, everyone. Have Bye. a great long weekend. Yeah. Great long weekend. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.